0: Welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at celebrationedm. EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. Psalms 103 starts off with, with David saying this, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And he says this, Forget none of his benefits. Forget none of his benefits. I, it's, it's like um, a prodding to say, stay grateful, stay grateful, stay thankful, forget none of his benefits. Because when you remember God's benefits, when you remember what God has done, your heart is grateful towards the Lord. And, And then what David does in this psalm is he goes on and he lists all kinds of experiences that he's had from God and just begins to remember and reflect on how God saved him, forgave him, helped him out of tough and difficult circumstances and goes through all of these things. But it's like the scripture is saying, hey, you know what, don't don't forget what God has done. And it's almost the same as saying, don't forget to keep a grateful heart towards the Lord and towards all that he has done. And of course, there's other places in the Bible where it just talks about gratitude as really a way of life. Paul talked about it and said, Uh, I've learned just just to be thankful in all things. Uh, We're not always thankful for all things for good reason, I'm sure. Uh, You know, when things don't go well, it's not like, oh, I'm so glad I have a flat tire. I'm so glad I got this huge electrical bill. No, we're not thankful for, but in is different, right? In is just maintaining a a certain attitude, a gratitude in terms of how we do life. In fact, Gratitude maintains a joyful disposition in life, which I believe is, is part of why it's so important to be a person who is thankful and takes on that attitude. Listen, you can't be thankful, I mean, truly thankful in your heart and be a complainer at the same time. The two just don't go together. It's you know, it's oil and water, it's just not gonna, gonna mix. Uh, the fruit of being grateful is that you're joyful. It's just the way it is. But the fruit of being a complainer is that you're not the happiest person to be around if you're that kind of individual. So when we think about, even if you were to think about it, the last time you kind of got negative and grumpy and ungrateful, I'm sure that wasn't your happiest moment in life. Thankfulness, though, in all things is the message of scripture. And when you choose to live that way, The the byproduct of it, the wonderful thing about it, is you just maintain a disposition of joy, that you're just joyful about life. Uh, You might not be happy for everything that's going on around you, but you have a fundamental disposition of joy. It's about choosing hope in tough times. It's about choosing to see the good even in bad situations or believe the best even when the worst seems to be happening Thankfulness in all things causes us to keep our joy in all things as well. It's this disposition that we set in our life, that we're going to be grateful instead of complaining, that we're going to be thankful, not negative, that we're going to be joyful and and not all down and depressed. Uh, it's, It's all about really what you fixate your thinking on. Because what you choose to think on, what you choose to fixate your thinking on, is going to determine whether you're somebody who's going to be grateful or you're just going to find something to complain about or to worry about. And if you fixate on what is broken, what's not working, what's missing, what mistake you might have just made, then no wonder you can lose your joy. Doing this is like finding a reason not to be grateful finding a reason to, uh, if you will, condone a grumbling attitude. But if you choose to be thankful, it switches your focus to find the good in life. It just does. Your your mind just goes to a different place. Rather than thinking about, well, what's wrong, what's not going my way, or or any of those things, you're just looking for what's good about this, how is this blessing me, all the rest of it. This is what sets a joyful position in your life. You know, you you walk into a grocery store and you've got a choice. You can stand in a long lineup, you know, waiting to check out and you can complain about how long it's taking. Or you can stand there and be thankful. Hey, I got everything that I wanted to pick up today. I'm just grateful that I live in a place where I can do that. You, You can go to a gas station and you know what you do. You look on your app, you find the one that is one cent cheaper than anywhere else. Right, Come on, one cent. I'm saving a penny per liter. And then you you, you pull up to that gas station, you know, in your Honda Civic with this tiny little tank, saving a penny per liter. And, you know, you can complain because there's 20 cars ahead of you at Costco. (laughs) Or just be thankful that there's actually gas that you can buy. As much as you don't like the price, you can go to a restaurant and you can complain about how slow the service is or be thankful that you could actually afford to go to a restaurant. The problem in the West is that what we consider to be normal, what we consider to be normal is actually a huge blessing. Gratitude is the choice that will keep your joy. Number two, gratitude builds expectation so that you can pray with faith. Gratitude builds expectation so you can pray with faith. One of the important factors about prayer is faith. That is the expectation that our prayers will be answered when we pray. That, that, that is actually how we're to engage in prayer. We're, we're not to engage in prayer with kind of a, okay, Lord, I'm going to throw a dozen of these up and I hope one of them sticks You know, that's not what it's about. We're not engaging in prayer even just because we have a need. That's not even the reason that we go to God in prayer. We pray because we have faith that God can actually meet that need. Now, a lot of that faith is obviously going to be built from Scripture, but there's actually more to it. Mark chapter 11, verse 24 says, "'Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer,' believe that you have received it and it will be yours so we're to we're to go to god believing that we've already got it that that god's already answered it for us that 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 we have it in our faith we may not have it in our possession but it's in our heart and so in your prayers you are to believe that you have received that is you pray with a confident expectation now how do we build that confidence How do we get that kind of expectation working in our prayer life? How do we encourage our faith? Well, as I mentioned, you definitely are going to do that through Scripture. You're going to do that through the promises of Scripture. That lays out expectation for sure. But there's something else. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 says this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, this passage could have read differently. It could have simply said, don't worry about anything, pray about everything, and you'll have peace. End of story. But it doesn't, does it? Thrown into the middle of this verse is this statement, thank him for all he has done. Thank him for all he has done. The scriptures are telling you to be intentional about recalling all that God has done in your past as you're praying for your present situation. In other words, don't just engage in prayer because you have a need now. Don't just engage in prayer because you've got a problem. Don't just go into prayer asking God to, to you know solve a situation, meet a need, whatever it may be, without pausing And thinking about what he's done in your past, thinking about how he's answered your prayers in your past, thinking about the last time that you had provision. Maybe now you have a need, but you're to think about the last time you had a provision that came from God, and you're to remember when you had a need before and you prayed and God met that need. You know, we have so many great stories as a church of God meeting provisional needs. When we first, you know, outgrew our our first property on 81st Avenue, and and literally there was nothing for sale that we could find, but we were just praying and asking God, and then a property came up for sale. We relocated to 99th Street. Then we outgrew that property. And again, we're praying and asking God to meet the need. And there was nothing that was available. But sure enough, one came up and here we are today. God promised, God provided. He brought not just the land, but the resources. But our, mem- our remembrance of past provision gives us faith for the next time we have a need. Amen. Maybe there's a situation that turned around for you. You remember that you were in a crisis. It felt like there was no hope but God answered your prayer in a time of hopelessness. And maybe you're facing something that looks like there's no hope. If you'll remember the last time God turned hopelessness into a solution, it'll give you faith for this time. Maybe you're dealing with something physical in your life and and it's a challenge to you. God says, remember the last time I healed you. Remember the last miracle that you received as you pray for the next miracle. Maybe you're a person who's who's gone through recovery. There was a season in your life where you were an addict, but God's got you free. And in your freedom, you can use the faith for God setting you free as you pray for others that you know need freedom. Come on. Maybe it's about relationships and and you're struggling with something right now, but you have a remembrance of a time when there was strife there was disconnection, maybe family members weren't talking to each other or or friends, but that all turned around. It all got reconciled. Well, use that to build a platform of faith off of which to pray for your current situation. Maybe it was a situation where you needed wisdom. You needed direction from God. And right now you're at the same place. You're like, God, I need direction. God would say to you, thank me for the last time I gave you direction." Come on, thank me for the last time I showed you what to do. Thank me for the last time that I put on your heart what to do, you did it, and look at the fruit of it because that will build the faith for the prayer that you're gonna pray today for the direction you need right now. You're not just telling God what you need, but your prayers are coming from a heart full of anticipation and expectation and faith that God will answer because you have history. Come on, thanksgiving is the act that sets faith in motion. The next time you're praying for a need, just pause for a moment. Don't just engage in jumping on praying for that need. Maybe before you pray for that need, you need to pause and start with a prayer of thanksgiving. Start with a prayer that says, God, I just want to thank you first of all for how you met this need in my past. Now we're going to pray for this one. Number three, remaining grateful is about keeping a right perspective in life. Keeping a right perspective in life. Israel spent 400 years in captivity as slaves doing hard labor. God sent Moses, a deliverer, and there were miracles that happened to get them free and on their way into their promised land. However, when they were about to go into their promised land, they found out that there were obstacles to overcome. Specifically, there were enemies that were living there that they had to deal with, and then they started to complain. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 1, it says this, that night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is it that the Lord is bringing us into this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? What's happening here? Well, they've lost perspective. They're talking like, you know, Egypt was this great place. And here's what they're not talking about. Here's what they're failing to mention. They're not talking about Egypt was the place where they were slaves, Egypt was the place where they had taskmasters. Egypt was the place where they didn't get to determine their hours of work or days of work. Somebody else did. Egypt was a place of whips, of injustice, of harsh conditions and punishment. They don't remember why they left Egypt in the first place. And if instead of grumbling in their current situation, they'd have just practiced what we just talked about, about giving thanks, they could have actually paused and gave thanks to God for all the miracles he'd already done as they prayed for the miracle they needed right now. I believe they would have had faith to be able to go into the promised land and obtain it. They could have remembered, God, there was times where we didn't have food, but you brought us food miraculously. Lord, there was times we didn't have water, but you caused water to come out of a rock. Lord, there was times when we had to cross the the Red Sea. It looked absolutely hopeless, but you parted the sea. And Lord, the enemy came after us, but you closed the sea to keep them from getting us. Lord, we're so thankful that throughout this journey, our shoes have not wore out because there's no shopping malls along the way. Amen. God was taking care of them, and God would have taken care of this situation if they have just been thankful for the past miracles. Instead, they grumbled in disbelief and lost perspective. When we complain and grumble, it's typically about petty things, isn't it? I mean, we aren't complaining because we just lost a a job or had a car stolen or some other huge interruption to our life. A lot of times when we get into complaining, it's it's like there's two cars ahead of me in a drive-thru. Come on. Oh, I got all these from me, by the way, so you, you can... You can, you can agree and celebrate and all the rest of it, you self-righteous thing you. It took 20 seconds longer to find the parking spot than you expected. The traffic cost us five minutes. And we do a lot of complaining in our cars where no one can hear us, don't we? The latte didn't show up with a smiley face on the phone. The selfie didn't show your face just right. Little petty, petty things. But it's time to take our eyes off of what we think are issues of the day and really look around and have a different perspective. We have a lot to be grateful for, especially when we consider our lives, on a, a if you will, on a global kind of scale. We think about the world rather than just our world. You know, not not just not just thinking about what we're going through, but what's going on in the world around us and. Um, Even this week, I had a pastor reach out that we had supported work that he's doing over in Ukraine, and he's over there and just sent me pictures of the devastation that's gone on with, you know, with the buildings and the lives and and things. It's horrible. Um, We think about a world uh, that is full of, you know, refugees. The number of displaced people in the world right now is 89.3 million people. Due to conflict and due to wars or not living in their homeland or hometown or whatever, 23.1 million are living as refugees. That means 23, or 27.1 rather, 27.1 million people don't own anything but the clothes on their back and have limited rights and freedoms, or it's greatly affected by their situation. We think about even just recently the disaster that Hurricane Fiona brought and how it affected the whole, the whole coast from Florida right on up. And we see that what's going on in the news. Still, even I think it was like three days ago, there's like 13,000 homes uh, in the east coast of our country that don't have power uh, still. And, and some of those homes, as you saw in the news, they'll never be rebuilt. They're just, they're just done. They're just done. Pakistan right now, one in seven is affected by floods one in seven. It's just mind-boggling with these kinds of things. Our perspective has so greatly lowered, though, the bar of what we consider to be complainable. And the the problem is, is instead of thinking about the world, we just think about Hollywood. We we just think about celebrity. We think about Instagram as being some kind of standard. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 14 says, In everything that you do, stay away from complaining and arguing, so that no one can speak a word of blame against you. You are to live clean, innocent lives as children of God in a dark world full of crooked and perverse people. Let your lives let your lives shine brightly before them. Right in this talk about not complaining and arguing, he says, so that no one can speak a word of blame. So that no one can blame you for being unthankful or ungrateful. No one can blame you for not appreciating. No one can blame you for being a difficult person to get along with because you complain. No one can blame you for not having faith that God is working in your life. What happened to the complainers in our story of Israel is that they didn't get to their promised land. God had to raise up their children and take them in. They not only lost perspective, but their complaining took them to a place where they didn't have faith to obtain the very thing that God said they should have. Complaining was the byproduct of losing perspective. Whatever your complaint may be, whatever makes you murmur, what perspective, the question becomes, what perspective do you need to reset on your life so you can get back to gratitude and back to a place of celebrating all that God has done? rather than fixating on something that's not going well. Keep perspective and you'll stay grateful. Number four, gratitude empowers contentment. The scripture says that godliness with contentment is great gain, great gain. Discontentment is actually great loss. Why? Because discontentment isn't about what you don't have, typically, it's about what you do have, but you're not appreciating In Deuteronomy, this condition is literally described as a curse. You're blessed, but you're not content. You have all that you need, yet you still think there's something else. You are deceived into believing that adding more to your life will fill the cup of your contentment, and your discontentment will eventually go away. But contentment can sometimes be a little bit like a leaky bucket, always trying to tell you there's something else that you need to put in there to feel content. What a paradox it is that we can live in one of the most prosperous nations in the world and yet be discontent and ungrateful. We've been on a series over the last number of weeks, if you've been with us, called Live No Lies. Well, this isn't part of that series, but there is a lie I want to talk about, and that is the lie of materialism. And the lie of materialism is that if you just had one more item in your life, You would be content. Remember that we live in a culture that is very intentional about shaping your perspective to be a consumer. In fact, the idea that you consume is pretty much what generates our economy. You just have to keep consuming. You have to keep buying. You have to keep wanting something else. And so the entire advertising industry is geared basically to make you discontent. Um, the advertising industry does not go on television to tell you that your current possessions are wonderful, they're fine, hope you get many years use out of them. They don't do that, do they? You know, you, you won't be sitting there watching television and suddenly, you know, your realtor friend shows up with a picture of your current house and says, what a wonderful house. I hope this family enjoys this for decades to come. Um, it's not going to happen. Uh, you, you, you won't be seeing a car salesman who will you know, come on some kind of advertisement on Facebook or whatever and tell you if you own a certain brand of car between 2010 and 2015, you should keep it for at least 250,000 kilometers. It's a great car. Hope you're enjoying it. They'll never do that. Laundry commercials will not, t- will, will not talk about a product that they were pushing two years ago that is still getting whites whiter and colors brighter, right? Instead, oh, it's two years later, we've made a new and improved formula. And after a while, you have to ask yourself, like, how white does it have to be? (laughs) How bright does it have to get? And, uh, you know, it, it just gets nuts. But my point is this, my point is this, and I'm not hating on salespeople or whatever. I'm just saying this is our reality. The reality is it's geared to create a sense of you would be happier if. You would ju- you would be happier if. And they're not pushing for present contentment with what you have. It is all about getting enough discontentment to get you to have something else. Gratitude brings contentment, and contentment is wanting what you've got. Discontentment is often the cause of being overextended in debt And now you're not only discontent, you're stressed. It's like we train ourselves to be discontent, expecting to change things around us, hoping that it'll change things inside of us. Luke chapter 12, 15 says, then he said to them, this is Jesus speaking, beware, be on guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist in his possessions? Contentment, what Jesus is saying, is actually not about the material world. The scripture is speaking to something, and that, that is we find ourselves discontent and often think it's a material world issue, and that, that's where we're going to find our contentment. But what Jesus is saying is, listen, listen, you, you can get everything you want materially and still be discontent. You can have everything that you've ever wanted and still not have peace or joy or happiness or you know deal with misery and, and um, be restless, be stressed out, still feel condemned and guilty, all the rest of it. I like how it says it in Hebrews 13. It says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. I don't know about you, but I've read that verse before, and I thought, be content with money and all you have. And then it goes, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. And I'm like, God, why do you seem to have two topics in one sentence? It's like you shift gear halfway through this contentment and not have love of money into, oh, by the way, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Actually, they're very much connected. Here's what God is saying, that is this, If you're going to try and find life out of things, you need to remember, things in life come and go. Money can come and go. Possessions are temporary. Things can wear out. Things can get destroyed. Things can even get stolen. But Jesus reminds you that he is the one thing you have in life that will never leave you and never forsake you. How do we develop contentment? Philippians 4.12, Paul says, I know how to live on almost nothing, or with everything. I've learned the secret of contentment in every situation, whether it be a full stomach or hunger, plenty or want. Paul said that he learned the secret of contentment, but he also shared the secret of contentment in the scriptures when he said that he was learning to be thankful in all things. By the way, he wrote that scripture while he was in a dirty prison, chained up. He may not be thankful for all things, but learned to be thankful in all things, and that was the secret of his contentment. If you're thankful for what you have, you'll enjoy what you have. If you're thankful for where you're at in life, you'll enjoy where you're at in life. If you're thankful for the people in your world, you'll see the best in them. Gratitude fosters contentment. Finally, number five, being grateful doesn't mean being passive. I believe there's a misunderstanding about what it means to be grateful. And that is, being grateful means never wanting anything to change. And that's not true. Or we could say it this way, the idea that you want something to change must mean that you're not grateful for the way things are right now. I don't believe that's true either. Gratitude does not have to be passive. Wanting change doesn't mean that you aren't grateful. Doesn't mean that at all. Listen, when we were in a little building on 81st Avenue and we wanted things to change, we were totally thankful to have what we had in that moment. Absolutely. You can be grateful for your country and still want change. You can be grateful for your job and still want it to change. You can be grateful for your current home but you have a growing family and you're believing for a bigger one. That's okay. You're grateful for where you're at now, but you're believing to move into something different. Contentment is not resignation. I want to stay content. I better not, you know, work to change anything. No, no, no. Contentment and gratitude are attitudes that we choose in the moment, even while we may be working to change things. Don't buy into the idea that working for change or improvement in your life means you're ungrateful. Colossians 2, 7 says, let your lives overflow with thanksgiving for all that he has done. I am so grateful for all that God has done. I am thankful for all of the people that are in our congregation and the, the, the ways that people have served and have given and everything else that they've done over the years to make church happen, to realize impact into our city and and to literally cause this church to be in a place where we had to believe God for provision. I am thankful for the facilities that God provided throughout the years, but it never stopped us from believing for the next one. We we didn't get into one and go, okay, we're done, thank you, thank you, thank you. No, no, we still believe for the next one as we outgrew it. I'm thankful for all the salvations and all the water baptisms that have ever taken place in our past but I'm believing for a whole lot more in our future. Come on. I'm thankful for miracles that have taken place in the past, but I know there's more. Be grateful, of course, but be passionate about seeing God do more through your life and through his church. In Jesus' name, let's stand as we take a moment of prayer together. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you so much for all that you have done. Lord, we do give you all the praise, the glory, the thanksgiving for how you've moved in our past, both on a personal level and as a church together. Lord, we're so thankful for these things and it builds faith in our heart that there's a future. There's more coming. There's more that you're gonna do. But Lord, I thank you that through everything that we go through, that we can maintain a grateful attitude, we can keep our joy and we can pray from a posture of faith because we've seen God answer in the past. We'll see God answer in the future. You know, with our heads bowed, I want to pray one more prayer. When David talked about being grateful for all the benefits that God had brought into his life, he then in that passage goes on to list everything that God had done. He'd pardoned his sins. He'd healed his diseases. He'd redeemed his life from the pit. In other words, he got in bad situations in his life, and he saw God deliver him and take them out. He says, he crowns my life with loving kindness and compassion. He satisfies my years with good things so that your youth can be renewed as an eagle. And then David says this, he's not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. You know, sometimes people, that's their view of God. Well, God's just gonna deal with me because of my past. God's just gonna keep things from me or cause things to happen to me because things that I did wrong in the past I want to say to you, God is not going to deal with you according to your sins. He's not going to reward you according to your iniquities. He dealt with your past through the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus bore our iniquities. Jesus bore our sins. Jesus took it all on himself so that forgiveness and a new start could be provided to you. So that you could have hope so that you could have the experience that David talks about when he says he redeemed my life from the pit maybe that's you maybe that's you today, maybe you feel like man my life is the pit, so I'm in this situation it is bad maybe, maybe you're that person who looks and all you see is the mistakes that you've made and bad choices you've made and you feel like what hope is there I want you to know something our redeemer lives, his name is Jesus if you'll open up your heart to him if you'll say yes to him as your Lord and Savior, if you'll surrender your life to him, he'll begin a process of change in your life. He will redeem you from the pit. He will not deal with you according to your past, but he will provide you with God's intended future for your life because of Christ. I want to pray with you right now. This is how you're going to receive him. This is how you're going to begin a walk with God. It's through this prayer right now in this moment. There are those watching online. We invite you to pray with us as well. And some of you are here and you might already be saved, but there's people around you that are praying this prayer because they mean it, because they need Jesus to come into their life just as we're going to pray. Let's pray along with them in support of them. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are the God who redeems my life, who forgives me, and does not deal with me according to my sins but you forgive and give me a fresh start. I ask you to forgive my past. I invite you into my life and confess you as my Savior and the Lord of my life. And I'll follow you with all of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationemonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.